This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com and Michigan game with a five o'clock kickoff back at Michigan, Seattle time. Huge game for both programs, and I am here with the legendary, the strong, the powerful. Everybody knows this guy, Sam Webb from the big site, uh, Michigan Insiders. And for those who've never been to the Michigan Insider site, they're one of the big, big, well, they're a behemoth on the network. They do a great job. Feel free to go over there and take a look at what they do. Sam, I, I'm just, every time I look at what you guys are doing and I see the numbers and everything, I'm just amazed. You guys you guys just absolutely kill it. So uh, my hat's off to you. Uh, uh, we're trying to do what you guys are doing, by the way. <laughs> hey, man, teamwork makes the dream work. I got a great team that I work with over there. And being on this network is a huge part of it. I think our, our network, our, our pubs, our, our national guys, uh, you know, I know your Washington fans know Brandon Huffman and Greg Biggins very, very well. Those are two of my my just diehard guys, really good friends. And I think being on a network like this is a big part of our success as well. Lots of people coming into Detroit and they, uh, once the game uh, time and date was announced, airfares filled up quickly. I'm going through Nashville <laughs> to, to get there. So uh, that should be fun. But for Husky fans coming out, it looks like weather expected to be in the low 80s, low in the mid 50s. What should they expect? Should they wear jeans, shorts, coats, sweaters, giving up, give people an idea what to prep for inside the stadium? Yeah, it's, you know, the evenings have been mild here of late. So I would say uh, you'll be probably be fine with short sleeves, but, you know, maybe bring a bring something that to, uh, like a jacket or a long sleeve shirt that in case it gets a little chilly, you're fine. But I, I don't think they'll be necessary. I think the weather is actually going to be pretty good. I think it's the ideal football weather for a night game. So looking forward to uh, a great atmosphere. Uh, and the, the, the disc, if Washington fans feel discomfort, I don't think the weather will be the reason. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it would be the game. So and we'll see if it works out that way. Time will tell. Give them an idea, you know, coming into the stadium. Do they want to look for a bar, a restaurant? They want to just go tailgating. You know, what's the best plan for Husky fans coming to the game? So, yeah, there are some options. Uh, there are some options, certainly, on campus. I'm a huge uh, pizza house guy. So pizza house on campus is, is really good. If you're a craft beer person, uh, there is a great craft beer spot called Ashley's. On campus, they have uh, good burgers uh, as well. Uh, off campus, uh, if you're looking for a great atmosphere, a great vibe, and having some steak as well, there's a place called Black Rock Barn Grill. It's on State Street just off of the expressway. Um, so uh, those are just a couple of options that I would sample. Probably the non-downtown option is the easiest. Black Rock has easy, easy parking a huge restaurant, outdoor seating, indoor seating, a lot of televisions, great menu. So that's probably the easiest place to get to. But if you want an authentic Ann Arbor experience, 
you know, any of the, the spots down on campus. Connor O'Neill's is a nice Irish pub down on Main Street downtown on campus as well. So those are just a few to kind of maybe think about uh, depending on where you're going to be on game day. Big change in Husky Stadium this year. The first time that they have allowed beer and wine in the stands. Beer available in the stands no. uh, at Michigan? No, no it's not. <laughs> Short answer there. Quick work of that one. <laughs> Inside the stadium at all? No. All right. Well, lube up before you get in. So <laughs> right. give us a little bit of an overview on how it's going with Jim Harbaugh. I'll be honest. I saw him a couple months ago up in Tacoma when he was scouting some of the guys up here from Washington. I was absolutely shocked. He looks fit and trim and kind of like a distance runner. He's uh, transformed himself a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if that's, if that's a reflection of, uh, you know, the, his upbeat mood based on the, the staff changes he's made or the optimism he had heading into the season. But yeah, he's in, he's definitely in better shape. And I think his, his mood, his spirit is upbeat despite the circumstances. I mean, everyone knows that this is a high stakes season. They renegotiated his contract. Uh, and so basically the way it, it worked out is he, he, he took a, a pay cut in base pay. Basically, I have his $8 million salary. It's a $4 million, $4 million salary now, but with incentives that if he reaches them, can reach the $8 million. So he can still make the same amount, but you got to hit certain benchmarks during the year. Uh, and certainly if he didn't hit those benchmarks and Michigan were to make the decision that they wanted to move on, uh, they will wind up being able to get out of the contract for essentially what the final year of his last contract would have been anyway. So this, it really sets the stage for this to be a high stakes season, right? I mean, a lot of times you'll hear coaches or programs say, ah, well, you know, it's not really, you know, that's just media talk. That's just fan talk, but no, it's, it's, it's real that this is a, a high stakes season, but I think Jim Harbaugh's approach to it has been different than other coaches. I mean, I, I think him uh, either with this contract, looking at it is feeling really optimistic, really confident that he's going to hit those benchmarks that he is going to, you know, not take a pay cut in the grand scheme of things that the moves that he made in the off season coaching staff wise are going to make a significant difference uh, in their fortunes on the field. And I think, you know, he defensively, especially he saw the need for a major over overhaul uh, and he tapped his brother to to really find the help find the answer uh, and getting Mike McDonald over from the Ravens and then uh, building from there. So, so far, so good, but it's Western Michigan, Western Michigan, while a really good Mac team is not on par with some of the, the teams they're going to see down the line. Maybe, maybe not on par with Washington depending on the Washington team we see come to Ann Arbor on Saturday. Give me an idea, you know, for those of us, you know, that are going to be close to the game and watching it, Husky fans, of course, will be in the corner, which every visitor's team is in the corner on every game. But uh, what kind of an offense is this? Pro-style offense? Are they going to, you know, just throw it all over the field? Is this a ball control? What are we going to see offensively, just ballpark, you know, what the scheme is? So it's a shifting of identity. This is a ground and pound attack they are they are a team that is going to want to run it down your throat now they have the ability to spread you out uh, but I, I think that that will be more of a one-off more of a more of a change up 
then it will be a staple. Uh, and that's not actually that's actually not very um, a very a big departure from what they tried to be before, uh, in that they were a they were a spread to run team, a pro a pro spread is what Josh Gaddis called it. I just think that they they are a little more run oriented or a little more of a run emphasis. So, so they're going to run a lot of split zone. They are going to uh, they're going to come out probably against Washington and and pull out their their pin and pulls. So they're going to they're going to try to pound you to death between the between the tackles. Uh, they have some some ability with their running backs to hit you on the flanks. And then I think they're going to set up play action. If there's a difference this year, I think it will be in how much they run. And I think you'll see them go and add more true play action passing to their uh, to their game. I mean, this is this is they're still going to do RPOs, right? They're still going to give you the run control bubbles, but I but actual pure, you know, play action pass, you know, seven step drop. Uh, they're going to I think they're going to put a little more of that in the arsenal this year to take advantage of the run emphasis that they are going to be employing this season. It all starts up front. Do they have the offensive line to run that ground and pound? I, I think they do. I think they do. Uh, you know, last year the offensive line was maligned and understandably so. Uh, it was a group that struggled mightily. I think that the a uh, lot of the attention went to the quarterback play, and it was up and down. Uh, but as much as you want to blame Joe Milton at the time uh, for that, and even Kate McNamara to a certain extent, the fact that both guys got injured during the season, I think is an indicator that they struggled up front. But you had uh, Jalen Mayfield, who was their top lineman, who opted in very, very like the week of, the week prior to the opening game. He gets hurt uh, in the opener, and that winds up being an issue. Or he came in hurt and re-aggravated that injury. He never got 100% and wound up missing the majority of the season. You're right, tackle Andrew Stuber. He uh, is coming off an ACL last season. Andrew Vistardis, their starting center, had a back injury uh, and it was, was hampered all season until he came out late in the year. Uh, you wound up at your right guard position, your true freshman in Zach Zinner. He got hurt late in the year. It was just a ragtag bunch. They never had the same offensive line two games in a row. So... A Ryan Hayes, your left tackle, played with a turf toe the majority of the season when he played. Now they're healthy, and all those guys that did play last year have some experience under their belt, so they're big. They were physical in game number one, and they're, they're all there. They're all healthy, which is a big difference from last year. And if practice was an indicator, if game one was an indicator, they should be able to line up and really lean on teams this year. Michigan quarterback, I don't know if they need to rename it as lightning rod or not, because it just seems to be a position that uh, has been a lightning rod for a while back there. Any different this year? Yeah, so uh, wait, what, what, so back that, back that up, because I, I kind of cut out there a little bit on the, on the Zoom. So no, it just seems like quarterback has just been a lightning rod position at it Michigan for a while. It, it has been. You've seen some, one of the common critiques, common refrains for Michigan is that they haven't developed a quarterback. They haven't organically grown one. So he, a lot of transfer guys uh, that they've uh, ridden the wave of success with. So um, Cade McNamara would be a guy that they grew up. Uh, he came in relief last year uh, and instantly improved the play on the field. And for as much as you say that, Hey, 
Joe Milton deserves some of the blame for the offense last year. He did have some mitigating circumstances with that offensive line being injured. But Kate McNamara got in behind that same offensive line and performed better until he, of course, got hurt. He comes back this year. He has command of the team and the scheme. He is a guy who uh, does not make the mistakes that a young freshman understudy uh, makes right now in a, a J.J. McCarthy, a five-star who, you know, you guys are familiar with Sam Heward, a lot of fans calling for him. A lot of fans would like to see J.J. McCarthy get in there. Uh, I think that Kate McNamara, though, is that steady performer. He is not going to necessarily make all the wild plays that a J.J. McCarthy makes. And we saw a wild play from J.J. McCarthy last week when he rolls to his right, gets outside the right hash, throws it across the field, outside the other hash, down the field for a big touchdown. It's just one of the most amazing throws you'll see. Kate McNamara is not going to make that throw, but he's going to hit. He's going to hit his downfield passes. He had two downfield passes in that. He's going to take what the defense gives him. He's going to move the team uh, and not really uh, compromise you by putting the ball in question, uh, putting up for grabs, making the big mistake. So that's kind of where he is right now. Uh, I think he would probably re- reject the notion of him being a game manager, but that's how they they positioned him in game one. And ideally, I think that's how they'll position him this season. They want to ride their run game to success and have him play off of that. If they have their druthers, uh, that's how this season will play out. And he'll have to make some throws, but he won't have to, he won't have to be the guy that's Superman and win some games. How are they going to split up those carries at running back? Uh, in the, in the opener, the, the lion's share went between the returning guys and Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. Hassan Haskins being the, the starter, the bell cow, the guy who is between the tackles, a guy who's never brought down by the first guy. He can make a guy miss. He can lower his shoulder uh, as well. Just always seem to be advancing the football. He is not the the go-the-distance threat that a Blake Corum is, though. And that's what you see with Blake Corum, the, the speed, that if he gets a crease, he can take it 60, 70 yards to the house. He can catch the football out of the backfield. Those are the guys that are going to split up your carries. Uh, but look out for five-star Donovan Edwards to get more carries as the season goes on. I don't know that he'll he'll figure more prominently into the game plan against Washington. He may, uh, but before the season is out, I think you'll see a three-headed monster in the backfield. But you can definitely count on two backs, uh, you know, getting a good share of the touches versus Michigan – I mean, versus Washington on Saturday. When they do that play action, you've, you've lost a huge weapon. You lost a huge weapon, but uh, do they have the playmakers at tight end and uh, wide receiver to get the ball down the field? So maybe, maybe. I think they, <laughs> I like I, that answer. Maybe. I, I say maybe because you have guys who you see the potential in, but guys who haven't produced that yet, who haven't produced at the level that would make you say, yeah, he's a big, he's their big play guy. I think Ronnie Bell was on the verge of, of being that breakout guy as, as their most experienced pass catcher, a guy who had paid his dues and had really practiced at an elite level. Uh, and you saw two, two big time plays, the highlight reel one handed grab that the refs waved, waved off last week uh, unfairly call them for offensive pass interference, which is ridiculous. Then he had the 76-yard touchdown where he just ran right by the safety. 
his absence is going to be felt emotionally on, on the field and emotionally, but I actually think more so emotionally uh, because they do have some guys on the perimeter that can really run, like really, really, really run. Uh, and I think Cornelius Johnson is a down, downfield threat that you could see. Roman Wilson, a kid from Hawaii, who I think Washington recruited for a time, uh, is a guy who can really run. A.J. Henning uh, scored on a 76-yard reverse last week. You know, came around and just out, outflanked, outran the defense. Uh, so you, and then Dalen Baldwin, he was on the receiving end of the big play touchdown, the highlight reel touchdown from, from – uh, from J.G. McCarthy last week. And that's a guy, a transfer from Jackson State, played a year under under Deion Sanders and said, hey, I need to go big time. And he he was a guy who, in his workout with Michigan, ran a 4-4, and we saw that 4-4-40 speed on display in that long touchdown pass that he caught from J.J. McCarthy. So, And then the tight end position, you got a couple of guys that can really run. The guy that you look to first is Eric All, who looks like a million bucks at tight end, uh, you know, they say has the potential to be uh, a big time playmaker practice like that last year, just didn't translate to games, a lot of drops in games last year. So we'll have to wait to see if that practice production for Eric all can turn to game day production for him this season. So I'd lay it out for you a lot of candidates, but none of those guys have to this point in their careers shown up or really have outside of Eric all have really had the opportunity to show up and show themselves to be consistent big play threats. They now have that opportunity in front of them, and we'll see if they can capitalize on it, one or more of them versus Washington. Washington, obviously, last week with struggles on the offensive side of the ball against Montana. What's going to happen with the Michigan defense? We'll break that down and more when we return. I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Sam Webb from the Michigan Insider on Dogman Radio. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We are back. I'm Kim Reynolds of dogman.com with Sam Webb from the Michigan Insider. Big game, and it's a 5 o'clock kickoff at uh, Michigan, and uh, weather expected to be pretty nice. So bring a layer, but uh, also the big, big news from Sam, no beer and wine available inside the stadium. So <laughs> you're going to get criticized by Husky fans for that. But, uh, you know, to, with Washington's struggles on the offense last week and uh, the defensive staff at Michigan's got to be just drooling. Tell me about up front because Washington's going to try to do the same as Michigan. They want to ground and pound. Tell me about that defensive line for Michigan. So, you know, this is, to me, this was the biggest question mark heading into the season. I pointed to this game specifically as this would be the litmus test. This would give us a barometer for how well Michigan's defensive line was going to hold up the rest of the year when you're facing a Wisconsin, uh, you're facing a Michigan State, you're facing teams that are going to want to try to punch you in the mouth. Uh, They were going to face, at least on paper, a bigger, more physical offensive line than Washington's. And so 
last week against Western wasn't that kind of test, but it was still a test. It was a test for them, uh, mostly on the back end, but a test to see could they get some heat on the passer uh, to the extent that Washington or uh, Western Michigan did run. Could Michigan, you know, stifle them? Could they shut them down? Could they lock them down, period, and not give them anything? And I thought we saw the pass rush really develop over the course of the game, mostly from the edges, but a little bit from the inside. Uh, but they really did a good job against the run. Sands, maybe one misdirection play, and then later in the game when it was already pretty well in hand, uh, they got a couple of runs up the middle. But for a team that had size issues, I thought up front, Mozzie Smith is the nose tackle, and in this new scheme, uh, his job is pivotal. He he cannot lose ground uh, in the middle of that thing. He cannot be moved off the ball, whether he is single block. Certainly, he needs to be able to hold up against double teams. Uh, you look beside him, Chris Hinton was a former five-star recruit that has been looking to break through. Uh, it looked like he made some real strides. I felt Chris Hinton more in, in last week's game than I have in any single game of his career. I think he from a technique standpoint has always been pretty good technique wise, but applying that on the field, is always a hit or miss. We saw power, we saw speed, we saw moves on a couple of pass rushes and certainly uh, against the run game. On the other side, uh, the guy I noticed most is a guy who maybe flashed throughout fall camp, a guy named uh, Mike Morris. I uh, haven't really heard from him thus far in his career, uh, but you heard from him a few times on on Saturday or last Saturday. Those are maybe who I start with up front. There's a veteran defensive lineman named Donovan Jeter, who's 300 plus. But I mentioned they're bigger guys first because I think the, the big guys are who uh, in this game against this team are who I'll be paying the most attention to. Can they hold up at the line of scrimmage? Will, to me, make or break the defense. Uh, if what Montana was able to do as an indicator, they should be able to hold up. But I'm not taking it as a given for a crew who has not shown that they can they can be the guys for a sustained period of time. We've just seen these guys mostly uh, in one game, in one game together. Where you really get excited about Michigan up front is on the edges. Aiden Hutchinson is, to me, a bona fide dude. I mean, he is a guy who can he can get after the quarterback. He's a guy who can play the run. And now he's showing in this new scheme that he can drop back in coverage. I mean, a number of times in, in Michigan's game last week, you saw in their zone blitz scheme, uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson standing up in the flat uh, looking to play defense against the pass. And same thing with his understudy, uh, David Ajabo, who, I, who we felt a, a few times, and he's one of the better athletes on the team. So I, I think – the edges, Jalen Harrell is another young guy who we saw flash a few times last week. The edges, I think, are where the playmakers are, and that's how it's set up in this defense. Uh, but the important guys, the most important guys, are going to be the guys in the middle of the defense. In week one, those guys held up really well. Time will tell whether or not they can hold up as well in week two.
I'm expecting uh, Michigan to stack the line of scrimmage. Are they going to do that more so with the uh, defensive line, or are they going to move some linebackers up in the box? And if they do move those linebackers up in the box, tell me a little bit about those guys. So it'll be interesting to me to see if, if Michigan goes with a bigger lineup and and plays. And so what I mean by that is they played a lot of a, a lot of nickel defense last week. It was you, you would probably call them a, if you just watched them last week, you would say their base is their nickel defense. And with with Dax Hill in the box, basically is that linebacker safety hybrid. Now he is he is not a tweener. He is just a uniquely talented defensive back. I think Dax is an NFL corner, but he's, you know, he's six, you know, six one, maybe 205, 210 pounds, can flip his hips, turn and run like a corner, but is as physical a defensive back as there is in a country, in my opinion. So, you know, he, his ability to blitz, to, uh, to also get back in coverage, and the physicality that they play with in the run game, I think will make them play a little more nickel than I think folks on the outside would anticipate. But if they have to, they'll slide it. You know, he'll be at safety, and they can walk him up in the box and play with another linebacker on the field. I'm just not convinced that they're going to feel like they have to do that as much after watching Washington in week one. So uh, Dax is in the box a lot, though. So uh, I, I could see I could see him walking up, being in the box. They they played their linebackers at the line of scrimmage a good deal, uh, you know, showing blitzes, dropping back in the coverage a number of times last week. Uh, but who will be the extra guy in the box? Uh, I, I don't think that they'll bring another defensive lineman, at least not right now, or even another linebacker in right now. I think they walk Dax Hill up and say, "Let's go," uh, and see if if Washington can force him out of that. Washington, of course, is missing big playmakers on the outside. They just don't have those guys. But, uh, you know, those guys out on the edge, those corners out there for Michigan, you know, tell me a little bit about those guys. A lot to prove. I mean, they were – I said that, uh, you know, to me the biggest question mark about this team would be um, how would they hold up up front. I was maybe the outlier in that regard, maybe the exception to the rule, because most people said corner because they got – destroyed at corner last year uh the, the a perfect example was the loss to michigan state a team they had no business losing to i mean we i mentioned the app state loss to you i think maybe off air i think losing to michigan state last year was as bad a loss as the app state loss because that app state team was actually really good i think they went on to win the national title at their level that year they were a really good team michigan state wasn't good i mean and that team they came in they had a receiver catch seven balls for like 200 yards and that receiver caught two passes the rest of the season seven passes for 200 yards and like a touchdown or two against Michigan and two passes the rest of the season so that that I think is maybe the most vivid example of how badly they were how badly they struggled on on the island last year their most solid corner was Jamon Green uh, he is back this year on one side. He had an okay game. Uh, there are a few lapses in coverage because Michigan varies their coverages more than they did last year. This is probably maybe talking about the big changes for them defensively. Uh, schematically, they were a base man-to-man team under Don Brown. They did play a lot more zone last year because of their struggles. 
But playing a, just because you play in a lot more zone doesn't mean it's the answer. They weren't proficient in playing a lot <laughs> in playing zone defense uh, because that wasn't their identity. And plus, they didn't vary their zones a lot. They were a base cover two team when they went zone. And cover two trap was maybe their maybe their one off, but uh, you know, not a whole lot of three deep coverage. Never, ever, ever quarters coverage. It was like a sin, a crime against humanity to mention quarters coverage to to uh, to Don Brown. So you just you didn't see a lot of exposure to different concepts for guys on the defensive backfield. I, I offer that as a setup to say I understand why there are some lapses in coverage last week. Uh, They're asking them to do a lot more uh, to to do a lot more in terms of disguising some of the coverages that they deploy now. But what we did see uh, outside of the coverage lapses where they tackled really well, they really drove on the football excellently. Uh, Jamon Green and the, the guy that was more maligned than, than Jamon, because Jamon was probably the most solid corner they had last year, and he was just okay. Vincent Gray struggled and struggled mightily. He was the guy who they, they really picked on in that Michigan State game those seven passes for 200 yards and a, and a touchdown struggle, struggle similarly against the team like Indiana. He just had a really rough go of it last year. He's back as the starter this year, and he had a really good opening game. And I actually think of all of the defensive performances, because Dax Hill was great at, at the nickel. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson was, was really good. The, the biggest takeaway uh, in terms of gains over maybe what you were expecting was Vincent Gray. Uh, he tackled excellently, sure, but he was really strong in coverage. And the one time that he was beat in man-to-man coverage, it was against the fastest player that Western has, a legit speed burner, a sub-4-4 guy. And the guy had a step on Vince in that, in that particular sequence. Vincent Gray didn't panic like he would have last year, didn't jump on his back and interfere like he would have last year, uh, calmly played his technique, was able to locate the football, and was able to affect the, the receiver as the ball, just as the ball got there and broke up the pass play. It was an encouraging effort for him, an encouraging effort for the defense, because if he can hold up out there, then you can keep Dax at nickel. If he struggles, yeah, you're looking to the bench for maybe some guys that I think Dax is an NFL corner. And I think they would probably be, they would probably be really, really tempted to move him to corner if one of their starters struggled. Fortunately for them, they did not struggle in week one. It's hard to see them struggling in week two with all of the receiver uh, injury issues that Washington has going into this game. Five seconds left in the game. Michigan down by two and lining up for a 40-yard field goal. How comfortable are Michigan fans? I think they're somewhat comfortable. I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's, it, they don't have any reason not to be comfortable. Let's just put it that way. Um, I think that to this point, um, you know, you look at a guy like Jake Moody and he's been solid for them. Uh, he's a big leg guy. Uh, he came out and nailed his first two field goals of the season. Last year was a down year for, for everyone. Uh, special teams guys included. So I'm not, I'm not sensing any nervousness from the inside about Jake Moody kicking field goals. Um, 
can't remember the the distance of the two field goals last week. I know one was, I think, a uh, little. I think it was maybe thirty-seven yards, a little under forty yards, and then he had one from under thirty yards. But uh, nice leg. I think he's a guy that that has a leg out to fifty yards. So uh, I think they feel pretty good about Jake Moody uh, as their kicker. A couple more for you, Sam. Charles uh, Jackson returning to Michigan. How's he going to be received by the fan base? I mean, I think he was a guy who uh, was a, a fan fra- uh, a fan favorite from the standpoint of he was one of the few big play guys that they had uh, on offense. He was he would offer a spark uh, special teams. He was uh, one of their uh, more notable personalities. So I don't think he'll be booed or jeered at all. So I think he'll be welcome back. I think he'll probably receive a little bit of an little bit of an ovation. I don't think they'll wish him well on the field. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they want him to have success, but he wasn't a guy that, that left amid any criticism. Uh, he hasn't really talked, spoken ill of the program since, at least publicly anyway, hasn't spoken ill of the program uh, in a way that would make fans sort of predisposed to, uh, you know, offering any uh, sort of rancor out there on the football field on Saturday. So, I expect for him to get a warm welcome up until the ball is kicked. Michigan wins this game if they what? Michigan wins this game if they stop the run. If they can run the football and stop the run. And based on what we saw through week one, I think they got to feel be, they got to be feeling pretty confident about their ability to do both, which is not where I expect it to be. I'm just being honest and frank with you. Heading into the season, I picked Michigan to lose this game. Uh, and after watching these teams, it's, it's dangerous to draw too broad a conclusion about any team after one week, right? I get that. But I just, seeing Washington, it's the way Washington lost that game. Like, I could go back, and I know we are short on time. But I can go back and watch Michigan lose to App State, and I can tell you, first, App State was a national champion team, national championship team at that level. But the issue with that game was the tempo. Michigan had not seen tempo like that ever. I mean, it was like nonstop. So nonstop, every 10 seconds, they're running a play. There was no simulation for that. It was still unique in college football at that time. And there's no way you can simulate that in practice. Then you had some injuries occur during that game to your main players. I think uh, that was the game where Mike Hart gets a high ankle sprain, right? Uh, And so you had some issues. I can point to reasons why beyond, you know, something's wrong with the team to say, I I get why Michigan lost that. It was strategy. I look at the, at Washington's loss to Montana and Kim, I, I'm baffled. I don't envy you. I don't envy Chris. (laughs) It's been a fun week. (laughs) Trying to explain how they were, stoned in the run game. This is supposed to be one of the best offensive lines, not just in the Pac-12, but in the country. So what that says to me is you and I could be starting at receiver and they still should be able to run the football against Montana and they can't get 100 yards. I can't explain that. I can't reconcile that with the offensive line that they have coming back. And that just that tells me just from the outside looking in that there's something else, man. It's got to be something else that's bothering them for them to not be able to run. I could even see them lose. Let's say they lost and they ran for a buck 50. All right. I get that, but to not even muster 100 yards. 
I, that that changes the complexion of this game to me. And it, it says to me that Michigan has a shot at slowing down this Washington run game. And I was very skeptical of their ability to do that before the season started. And Washington wins this game if they what? My, Washington wins this game if they stone Michigan's run game and they can put the pressure on Cade McNamara to win this game. And then it's a, really the formula is the same. Can they run the football and stop the run? Michigan wants to pile, they want to pound teams. They want to run it down your throat. Can you make it, make it be a team that has to pass to win, has to put it on the shoulder of the quarterback? I'm not saying that Cade can't do that, mind you, but I'm saying that gets Michigan off course, off script, outside their strategy. And then on the other side of the football, man, if you, if you can run the football against Michigan, if you, can, if you can force them to walk a safety up, if you can force them to maybe leave those corners alone with, without as much help and really leave them vulnerable even to, uh, you know, your, your fifth and sixth string receivers, now you're putting them in the position that they don't want to be in. So if you can run, let's say, if Washington can, can average four yards a carry, if Washington can get north of, of 150 yards uh, in this contest and hold Michigan to under 100 and under four yards a carry. That's a recipe to me for them winning a game, probably in a lower scoring affair, uh, but that's a recipe for them to, to win this game. Sam, these are the kind of games that everybody looks forward to. They're fun. You know, Michigan, Washington versus, you know, Washington versus Montana or Michigan App State. You know, these are the kind of games that everybody looks forward to. I think it's going to be a fun time. So uh, anything else Husky fans need to know prior to coming to this game? No, man. I, I just think that you know, to, to not get too carried away in thinking that this, you know, this, this Michigan team, this Michigan team came into the season with a lot of question marks. Uh, and it's not like all those questions are answered with one victory over Western. So this is a team that still has a lot to prove uh, and a team that if, if Washington plays like it did last year, they could come into Michigan stadium and beat this Michigan squad. So I, I don't, I wouldn't look at this as, oh man, it's, <laughs> it's just no, no hope after losing to Montana. This is a matter of what Washington team shows up. That team that played Washington last year would get rolled. I mean, our, that played Montana last week would get rolled. Uh, but the, the Washington team that, that you know, had those preseason expe expectations based on how they played last year, that team could come in and beat Michigan, especially if they can run the football, if they can push them around up front. Just have to wait to see if they can do that. I always say when people do things, I look at it and say, is that what they did or who is that who they are? And I think with Washington, we're going to find out. Is that what they did or is that who we who they are? We're going to find out on Saturday. So um, it's going to be an interesting game. Sam, appreciate you jumping on with us. And uh, for all you Husky fans, you know, feel free to visit the Michigan Insider on the 24-7 network. They do an outstanding job. And uh, if you go on to their message boards, be respectful. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling our guys the same thing. Thank we haven't you. had any Thanks issues. Thanks for having me. Sam Webb from Michigan Insider. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.